I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A -a one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson. Tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaw11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined by, uh, I think, second time on the pod now um, after, you know, wrapping up his first uh, first full year uh, on the Jets beat, Zach Rosenblatt from The Athletic. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you hopping on. I know you had, you know, got it. good timing after, uh, you know, I came on the Can't Wait pod and, uh, yeah. you know, now, uh, you know, uh, now you uh, had this big piece come out last week with uh, some juicy nuggets, some of which I was not surprised to uh, s- see. And I, I was wait- I was waiting for a couple of those ones to drop. I was, uh, <laughs> but um, I guess let's start with that article, I guess, and then let's move into the, some of the offseason stuff and, and kind of going forward. Was there anything in there when you were kind of putting that piece together that kind of surprised you in any way, shape, or form, or was kind of a lot of stuff you kind of figured was kind of going on behind the scenes, I guess? Uh, see, I wouldn't say surprising. So I, we did a pod, like, just like talking about the article, uh, the other day and I, and, and Tim asked me about like, uh, like the process for the story, like story like this, some of it is you hear stuff like throughout a season, uh, that you just kind of like keep on the back burner. You like keep in your back pocket. You're like, okay, I heard this. Let's, let's see if anything comes of it. Um, and then as the season progresses and they have that, you know, what happens at the end of the year and, and they fire the floor, like then it all kind of comes to the forefront. You start asking people about it and you get more color and more detail. So that, that's why I would say there wasn't like anything necessarily surprised me as much as like, okay, well, that kind of makes sense. Okay. That, that kind of makes sense. Like considering everything we knew, everything we saw, like the idea that like that guys preferred Mike White, like I, I think everybody kind of knew that it was just more like nobody said it out loud kind of thing. Um, you know, I was gonna say, the, the shirts didn't, shirts didn't say enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, like Elijah Moore blowing up, everybody knew he blew up. They just didn't necessarily know, you know, at least what I was told was said. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's a lot of that and, you know, even stuff in there about how I, I, I got the impression that solid did a good job behind the scenes. I think that's kind of like what I expected. And then you hear it. So I, I don't know if there was anything that surprised me as much as it was like, all right, that was true. And then let's find out like how it got there kind of thing was my goal with the story. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. Like a lot of the stuff, Obviously, it's pretty obvious Elijah didn't like uh, playing with Zach and, and it did not necessarily enjoy his usage from Michael Floor. Like there was no like it was just I think some, it was nice for a lot of people to see kind of the insight there or like, you know, how Jets 
the MIM stuff. Like, oh, there's a lot yeah, there. Yeah. The Zach injury I would, stuff. I would say my biggest like takeaway from doing the article, and it's kind of covered in there, and I've talked about it a bunch, is that like it, it's all kind of connected. Like, um, you know, Zach Wilson, uh, you know, they they were worried about his grasp of the offense, so they simplified it, and you know, they told him to. Uh, you know, if your first two reads aren't there, then run, which was working and they were winning. But the like the downside of that is when you're only throwing it to your first two reads, uh, all the other reads are getting ignored. And when all the other reads are getting ignored, you have stuff like Elijah Moore getting upset. And so it all it all starts back with they tried to make it easier for a quarterback who wasn't quite ready. And then it backfired in the way that his teammates were frustrated because they wanted to play with a better quarterback kind of thing. We, uh, we, I always like to joke that people think the Jets building's the Pentagon and it's, uh, it's not. Um, <laughs> hence, you know, even the, the false story that comes out on, I guess, what was it, Thursday or Friday last week, you drop your article, I don't know, whatever, you drop the Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day it was, then there's, you know, um, a reporter goes on Pat McAfee's show, drops a story that Zach Wilson's missing meetings and he's late and goofing around, which clearly that came from somewhere. It doesn't really matter where it came from, but it's just crazy all of a sudden. This is what always happens. This is like a big PSA. I've, I'll do my other PSA at the end of the pod of just when these things happen, people get fired or guys are going to get guys don't work out or other things. All this stuff always happens. So I know people get very up in arms. Jets fans get very up in arms when anything's negative said. This is what happens. Um, it happens in every organization. Matt Rule got fired, and instantly there was like 800 stories about how inept yeah. he was, right? This is what happens around the NFL, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, so. for sure. And, you know, with, I'll say about like not trying to like call it a reporter or anything, but like that through all my reporting, like I, I think you would have, you would have seen stuff about that in my article if that was what I heard. Like I, I, I even had people emphasize to me, like I, we do not think Zach's a bad guy in that building. Um, he works hard. I think, I don't think he's disliked by his teammates. I think there's a perception that teammates don't like him. I think it's more, they don't like that. He's not good. Like, yes. I think they were just like, like got like the receivers were frustrated that they didn't have a quarterback that could get them the ball. And the defense was frustrated that, you know, they had this great defense that was getting wasted by a bad offense. So I, I don't think anybody dislikes Zach in the building. I think everybody kind of just, you know, has accepted that he is maybe what he is. And it's, I don't know if lost cause is the right word. Like I, I think they'll try to develop him if they keep him around, which who knows at this point what happens there. But um, yeah, I, I never got the impression that he was disliked in the building. It's more just, he's not, he's not quite what we thought he was going to be. Yeah. Look, I just want to play with other good players and Zach yeah. was not a good player this year. And, you know, people can be upset about that if they want, that's just the cold, the cold, hard reality of it. And if you're a receiver, you want the football, right? You see Garrett Wilson get upset, you know, whether it's in practice um, or in games and it's because Garrett Wilson's like trying to trying to win. And like, I want to get the ball thrown to me in the right spot. That's why you put up with it when it's Brady or Peyton or, you know, any of these other quarterbacks that yeah. are light, lighting in it guys. But when you're not performing, um, you know, people, people don't take as kindly to it, right? Rogers can do it because you know, he, he wins MVPs or Brady or Manning. And when yeah. you're, when you're not that guy, unfortunately, it's the, the cold, hard reality. So I kind of want to transition. Let's start with the quarterback stuff just because offensive coordinator is kind of a crapshoot right now. It's like they're interviewing thousands of candidates. Yeah. Obviously I, I you know we can kind of get into that in a little bit, but Let's start with Rodgers because I know we talked about joked about it a little bit when I when I came on your pod. It does feel like the Jets are the best option probably for Rodgers if he were to get traded. I still don't get the reasoning for the Packers to trade him. They would be eating copious amounts of dead cap. Their roster would be a mess, and they're not going to get. I don't think the two first round picks they're they're desiring. Um, I think it'll probably be something more of a conditional pick this year. 
and conditional pick next year just based on how much he played. Like, if he doesn't play in 2024, I don't see the Jets giving that up. That said, the cap number is not bad for the Jets, and Rodgers, you know, did have a broken thumb. The Packers weren't that good. You can make a lot of arguments to say, you know, last time everyone thought he was washed, he was the best quarterback in football two, the last two years before this, right, or, or one of the best two. What would your, I guess, two-part question, one, if you're the Jets, would Rodgers be worth it? All that comes with Rodgers, you know, the Alan Lazards and Cobbs and Bakhtiars, Mercedes yeah. Lewis and there and his entire gang. Um, and B, the draft from a draft capital perspective, like how good is this would it make the Jets on paper in, in 2023? Yeah, well, so I, I, I would say I think the Jets would absolutely be interested in Rodgers. I think it's more of a question of if he would want to come to the Jets or not would be the thing they would have to answer. And especially with the questions of offensive coordinator and not knowing what the offense is going to look like, you know, I mean, obviously Nathaniel Hackett probably wouldn't hurt if they were to bring him in, though I don't know if he wants to coach right away, um, just based on what happened in Denver last year and all that stuff. But anyway, like, I, he absolutely would be worth it. Uh, th- but to your point, like, if they're, they're going to have to give up a lot to get him because it'd probably be either multiple firsts or a bunch of picks, including a first or whatever it is. And if you're doing that without the knowledge that he'll play for at least two years, then I don't think that's the best idea, though I know the owner, Woody Johnson, really wants – things to get fixed now so I they might still do it anyway if they didn't get guarantees but yeah you know he is on the decline I think pretty clearly he's getting older um there there is a little bit of a circus that comes with them because although you know everything he says on the Pat McAfee show and all that stuff and I mean it would be fascinating it, would, it almost would kind of feel Brett Farvest because when he came at the end of his career like that um and he was it was really good at the beginning of that year and then he got hurt uh as fans know obviously and they kind of fell apart and Mangini got fired and all that stuff but um yeah, you know, I I don't know. I I I still don't I still think it's pretty far-fetched idea that that would happen. Like again, I'm I'm more skeptical of him wanting to come to the Jets than like I, as as good as I think the Jets look on like paper with their defense. I don't think they're a quarterback away from the Super Bowl necessarily. Like I don't think he's going to look at this team. He'll see that, you know, they have talent obviously, but I don't think a quarterback is going to look at the Jets and say, "Okay, I'm the I'm the missing piece. We're going to win the Super. We're going to be contenders for the Super Bowl." With Aaron Rodgers, you think they have a better shot, certainly. You have Garrett Wilson, and you have, you know, you hopefully upgrade the O-line, which would be a factor of somebody like Rodgers looking at the team. Um, they are going to have to fill some holes on defense because you're going to have to cut some guys and make save money in order to even, like, inherit Rodgers in theory. So there's a lot of, like, moving pieces to the point where I just don't see Rodgers wanting to come here ultimately. Yeah, look, I, I think that's the, the number one question, right? If I asked a bunch of people, you know, two months ago when the Jets, when the Zach, when Mike White got, you know, when Mike White got hurt and Zach was coming back and you kind of knew this was not going to end well type of thing. I asked a bunch of people that, and they were like, I don't just don't see Rogers wanting to come play in New York, like that know him or at least are familiar with the situation. And I just, I don't know what would have changed in the last two months. Like, yeah. again, I mean, like, I think that's the biggest question. I think if you want to be optimistic about it, a lot of what he's owed money wise is literally straight cash and bonuses and things. And like, that's where Woody Johnson, like it does matter who your owner is because they're going to have to dish out, you know, he's in, if you inherit Rogers, your trade form, you're give like, you're paying him 60 million in cash next year. It's not all against the cap, which I I think people confuse, but um, you know, again, as you mentioned, look, you know, I'm going to ask you about Lamar quickly because I know right now we just – I think it's another situation where, like, there's a lot at play there and the Jets are going to have to give up a lot in order to get either of these guys. But I do think the bottom line is those guys – and I'm glad you mentioned that they're not necessarily a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. I think that's the kind of – they're a quarterback away from being a team playing on division, you know, playing this past weekend, I think. Yeah, for sure. But 
how much, you know, are you give, you're not giving up a one for Rodgers this year. Like, okay, maybe now it's a different conversation. Now you can upgrade offensive line in the draft. Like there's a lot that goes into just on the face of it, upgrading with Rodgers makes a ton of sense, but what else comes along with the offensive line? You mentioned, you know, safety is a need linebacker, defensive tackle. Like there's a lot going on there, obviously. So I'm moving off of Lamar, I mean, moving to Lamar quickly, because then we'll cover some of the other options. I you had a piece with about Derek Carr this morning. So I want to cut get to that. I still kind of feel like the same about the Lamar situation that I've, I've felt for a while. Like the Ravens can say all these different things until they pay him. It doesn't matter. Like if they're not, if he, they're going to franchise him, depends on what franchise they do. You know, if they do the exclusive or non-exclusive tag, you know, with the two ones and everything, but if they're not going to give him the extension he wants, he's just going to request a trade and we're going to be back to the same saga we were three weeks ago. So yeah, it's nice that they told him he'd be involved in the offensive coordinator search. Again, that's kind of like putting lipstick on a pig. Like you're not addressing the real problem here, which is the, the offer they gave him was reported, you know, basically half of the guaranteed money Deshaun Watson got. It's a huge problem, obviously. So did, have you, have you, have your thoughts changed with the Lamar thing? It's like, basically that's just a pipe dream at this point, even more unrealistic probably than Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always kind of viewed it like that. Cause if you have a quarterback of Lamar's caliber, you just don't get rid of him. Like that's just, I mean, I team, it, I shouldn't say you terrible don't. business. Yeah. It's bad business. Like, I think they figure it out. If not, he's franchise tag and they see how much, how serious he is about not playing, which he might be very serious about it. But yeah, I just don't, again, if he did actually become available, the Jets absolutely be involved, but you also can't afford to really wait to watch that saga play out is the problem with the Jets have. And I kind of got into this, my story, and I'm sure we'll get into the car thing. Like you said, now uh, that's one of the big reasons why I think car makes the most sense because they could there's there is a legit scenario where they come out of this empty-handed like without a guy that you like feel good about you know okay say Brady and Rodgers unrealistic Lamar Jackson doesn't happen you don't get Carr um I don't know how appealing Jimmy G is now that they're not probably running the 49ers offense plus he's injury prone anyway uh and so then you're you're coming down to guys like Ryan Tannehill uh is probably the best option out of the next group um unless there's like somebody surprising that's like comes available or something like that so you wind up having options that aren't like Baker Mayfield, Jacoby Brissett, like these options that aren't like you, you can like win. It'd be, with a, it'd be a disaster. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, and fans would lose their minds and you know, the jets would, they might, I mean, in that scenario, you probably wind up back, back with Mike. White. I mean, I think Tannehill is, would be a legit possibility, but um, you know, if, if, if he's on the Titans roster too, so they, they either have to cut or trade him still anyway. Yeah, so. It's a huge dead cap. Still relying on another to. team to like, to get to where you need to be. So that's why, like I saw some people push it back at the Derek Carr is a missing piece thing. I, I don't know that he's a missing piece, but he's a better quarterback than they've had in a long time. And he, they can't really afford to like, if they miss out on him, like they, they don't really have a lot of fallback options unless something crazy like Lamar, but you can't rely on that either. So that's why I think they're going to be very in on the Derek Carr situation. And again, unless there's somebody surprising out there that becomes available, which, you know, you never know in the NFL, there's always a quarterback every year that kind of comes out of nowhere. And is like, I want to get the hell out of here. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's it, the quarterback thing is at least until they, um, I mean, once they hire, I don't know, maybe they hire an OC after they get the quarterback. I don't know, but um, the quarterback thing is going to be the, the biggest topic of the offseason here. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I want to get into car now. I mean, you kind of hit on a bunch of stuff. We can kind of get into it more. My kind of read on the car situation is it makes a lot of sense. I don't think he has many suitors as people think he does. I think that they're building up his market a lot because that's what you do. That's what agents and siblings who have podcasts that, um, you know, do their own thing. But 
if he had this big of a market, teams would still would, you know, be much more, I think much more willing to, he's a no, first of all, he's a no trade clause. So, and you're locked into 40 plus million, um, you know, of the three year, $121 million deal he signed, you know, six months ago, he's coming off of his easily his, I think his worst year in a long time. Um, he was not good last year. I, I know there's a lot of factors. The Raiders are a mess. Like a lot of teams are. I don't really know how good Josh McDaniels is or isn't. I think we've seen as a head coach, he's not very good. Yes, there was injuries, but they had the NFL's leading rusher and a top three receiver. And in hindsight, you know, one of the best tight ends and one of the best slot guys in the league. I know the offense, like there's a lot of reasons to not like Carr, right? It's like, oh, you know, he's in that Kirk Cousins, Dak class where, you know, how far does he really get you? But then you also can make the argument he has had terrible defenses. He puts up good numbers with a better supporting cast and less pressure on him in terms of, you know, with the defense and all that different type of stuff, stability and head coach, you know, how could that, you know, change if, you know, familiarity. I'm curious how the, if they would go Greg Olson route, obviously, but, you know, John Gruden called 90% of those plays for a long time. So how much credit do you give him? There's a lot of factors there. I also just think that Carr allows you probably to build the most around the roster of those upper tier options, right? Like a Lamar, you're paying him probably $50 million a year and you're trading picks. Rogers, like we just mentioned, there's a lot that goes into it. Carr is probably one of the best options of probably the best option of the rest. And what's he going to cost you a fifth round pick realistically? Like he's a no trade clause and he's owed money and he's obviously going to get cut. So you're just trading. You'd be basically trying to cut the line um, in order to, to sign him. I guess my question would be like for you and I, you potentially address this in the article. I am going to dive into a little deeper. I want to talk to you about it first, but what's like, what is the, is the jet ceiling? Like where, where, how much better does this make them? If you just plant Derek Carr onto the roster, like are they a 10 win, 11 win team now? Like it's hard to, that's where I feel like I get the most pushback of how much better he makes them um, than they already were. Well, I think if the storyline was if they had like even average quarterback play last year, then they make the playoffs. And I, I think that would be the expectation that he makes you a playoff team at the very least. But, you know, like I said, it's not just going to be about Derek Carr. I think he, he, he fills that hole. I think that, and part of the appeal is you get him out of the way quickly and he's better than what they've had and all that stuff. And all your knocks are totally fair. Um, I think he holds onto the ball a little too long, which is a problem if you have a bad. Yeah, doesn't, lo- doesn't love to get hit, although no one really yeah. does. So, yeah. Of course. And I, I think the cold weather thing is a little overblown because he's been in his, he spent his whole career in, you know, Vegas and Oakland, where it's not like cold during the year. So obviously, when yeah, you pointed this out when I came on your yeah. show, you said like, yeah, think about it. You're the Raiders as a team. were traveling the East Coast. Like there's a lot like the time zone thing, the weather you're yeah. playing in year round. So when, it's a lot. When he's spending all when he's spending the whole year here and he maybe gets a little more used to it. And all, like I, I think you overcome that fine. But I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. You know, are, are they a Super Bowl contender with him? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But, like, the Jets haven't been to the playoffs in 12 years. Their goal is not to win the Super Bowl right now. Like, yet people are getting a few two steps ahead of themselves, I would say. So, I, you get you get to the dance first, and then when you're there and you realize, okay, maybe Carr's not the guy, then you can move on from him. I don't think when he gets here, whether it's on – or not when he gets here, if he gets here, if it's whether it's on his current contract or a new one, I don't think it'll be like a five-year thing. It would probably be, you know, a three-year deal where you can get out of it after two years or something like that. So you can, you get a couple of years to examine him. You know, maybe there's a young quarterback you like in the next year or two that you bring in to develop uh, and kind of do that route instead of what they did with Zach Wilson. So I don't know. I, I, I just think he's at the very least, a you know, a very good bridge quarterback, if not like a solid, you know, there, there are less great QBs in the NFL now. I think we're, we're learning, especially this last year. I think you saw, there's probably five great quarterbacks in the NFL and then some that like have great weeks. And there are some that are like average you can win with. And there are really bad ones, which the jets had most of them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, if you can get a quality enough quarterback that, that can help you win, you know, Derek Carr's been good at the end of games. I think he's been good in like the fourth quarter of games. Um, you have a guy like that, that you trust, you know, I, his numbers, if you look at his, if you, his average numbers for the last four years, that was in my article, is over 4,000 yards, I think 24 touchdowns and like 10 to 12 interceptions was a little high, but 70% completions about, even though, even with this year at like 60%. So he usually is high completion percentage, uh, gets yards, the offense moves with him. He played with bad defense his entire career with the Raiders. Like there wasn't a year where they were ranked in the top half, I think, in scoring defense. The Jets were just fourth in scoring defense. So like uh, all those factors are, are, I think why you you should be very happy with Derek Carr as your quarterback, even if he, he's the kind of guy that will probably frustrate fans a lot, especially because he'll have games where he turns it over, he makes boneheaded plays. But that that's kind of where quarterbacking is right now. Like Kirk Cousins, the Jets are Kirk Cousins this year. They they probably they might win twelve games. Like but like Kirk Cousins is a solid quarterback who you who frustrates you when you get to the playoffs. But the Jets just need to get to the playoffs. So I, yeah, I, look, that, so ceiling their ceiling is they can make the playoffs, and that's their goal right now. Yeah, look, I, I think. You got to take one step at a time. That's why, like, I've said this for a million times, and we can and we can move kind of the – by the way, you know, I know you mentioned the quarterbacks. Um, you know, we always think there's an unexpected one. You know, I think Dak and Kyler were guys that people were like, hmm, I don't know, going into the year. Like, you never know. Jerry's got a quick trigger finger, and, and Kyler, obviously, it's a mess. But Kyler tears ACL, and Dak's contract's untradeable for this year. So those guys are out, plus, you know, Dak's stock could not be lower than it is, you know, currently. So that's like – I guess – my overall point is like Jared Goff, right? He was an option everyone was talking about. Jared Goff had an insane year. Like if, if you really look at the numbers, he was incredible. Like week six and on, he was incredible. Yeah. The Lions aren't going to move off of Jared Goff. Why would you? He's on a he's on a very reasonable yeah. deal for that type of quarterback. What does Daniel Jones really moving the needle for the Jets based on how we just saw? You know, maybe he gets them in the playoffs, but you know, we just saw him. You know, get look way out of his depth. You know, in, I, I, in I doubt he gets a, becomes available anyway. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think the Giants, you kind of, you're caught between a, a rock and a hard place. Same, there. You kind of have the, to pay same, with G, same with Gino. Yeah. Yeah. This doesn't, that, those guys just aren't walking. So like you're either going to have to sacrifice big time for Rogers or, or Lamar, if that's even a possibility. And yes, your ceiling is significantly higher than with any other option that said, 
that's not, the most realistic option is car. And it's been car for a while. I feel like, I guess my, my only other hesitation with car is just, and this is, again, this is, unless you get Rogers or Lamar, this is going to be the, the sediment with any of these quarterbacks. It's just, he doesn't, I don't think he scares defenses. Like, I don't think you're game planning every week yeah. going like, shit, I'm playing Derek Carr this week. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, he might gift me one. That said, if the Jets defense plays even close to the level they played a year ago and you get steps from a lot of these other guys, you get AVT and Brees back. I mean, they were a top 15 offense with putrid quarterback play, like just because of the, how they were able to run the ball. I mean, so. Look, I know, I know it's probably an outlier, but the 49ers are in the, I mean, and they have a ridiculous rush, but the 49ers in the NFC championship with Brock Purdy, at quarterback, like, you know, I, your, your odds of making that, making it that far are better with like great quarterback play. But if you have a great roster around them too, you can, the Bills have great quarterback play and like, and they just, they yeah. had, or they had huge glaring holes. That like I, it's, 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 that was an, I, the athletic uh, Joe Pascalia had a story about, um, you know, what's next for the Bills and stuff. And there was talk about whether they should really have a serious conversation about making a change of offensive coordinator. And I'm just like, the grass isn't always greener on the other side for Jets fans because they would kill <laughs> to have the Bills offense right now. I was going to say, Ken Dorsey and, and gets Bills, fired. Bring Bills have made the playoffs. Radio. Bills have made the playoffs like what, like five years in a row? Like, and they have five of the last six. Out. Yep. So I, the grass isn't always greener ultimately, but yeah. So, I mean, you hope you marry a good scheme with quarterback. We have no idea what the scheme's going to look like because they don't even know who their offensive coordinator is going to be. I don't think they're any closer right now than they were when this process started, which is, you know, scary, obviously, but it's kind of like the hand they're being dealt. They don't really have, there, there are some qu- concerns about this job, I think, or, for candidates. So we've they, seen they that, right? That some guys and, have already declined, you know, interviews to Bill Callahan yeah. staying in Cleveland, um, Bevel, you know, Daryl yeah. Bevel. I guess what you read, I guess we'll transition to offensive coordinator quickly. Yeah. I just want to hit on a couple other things for the offseason. What's your kind of read, I guess, and I kind of mentioned it a little bit there. Are, can we gather anything from what's going on? Because I feel like they're interviewing so many, which is great. I know everyone loves to, you know, cast a wide net. They're doing all the, you know, all the cliche things. There's due diligence on all these different guys. But I do feel like there's like tiers of the guys they're interviewing. And like, there's the dream that's just Frank Reich. Obviously, I, I just, I feel like that's going to take a while. You know, if maybe if if he doesn't get one of these head coaching jobs, it's more becomes a bit more realistic. Then you've got the Joe Brady's of the world too. It'd be great for the Jets to you know pair Joe Brady with a senior offensive assistant and take him from the Bills and all these different things. And anyone that sucked under Matt Rule probably is really actually good. Um, but then you know you have the Marcus Brady's of the world like the, like that are you know could be good. You're not really sure. I don't know. There's just a lot going on there. Yeah. I- the impression I get is that they don't, again, that nobody's been described to me as a front runner. Like, I don't think they, um, I think there's been legit concern from candidates that, you know, number one, don't have a quarterback right now. You can talk about your plan. Kind of for important. It. We're going to go after these guys, blah, blah, blah. And, and there's also the job security factor is a, is a big thing. Like, am I going to be here a year from now um, if we don't make the playoffs or whatever it is? So I, on, on the flip side, I think there's appeal to this job in a sense that if you turn the offense around, then you're probably going to be a head coaching candidate kind of thing. But yeah, I think they're having trouble finding candidates who want to come in uh, with, with all those risks attached to it. I think they'll eventually settle on somebody, you know, I mean, obviously, but uh, I have no idea who that'll be like out of these candidates. I don't, I mean, Kevin Batulo is interesting to me. He's, he's been in the building. I know they like him in there. I mentioned that in the story, right. They, they want to talk to him. I, I think they know that he probably won't come here and, you know, unless he thought he could replace Salah next year, maybe, I don't know. Um, but yeah, they're, they're in a tough spot. I don't think it's close to being over. I think they're going to interview a bunch more people. Maybe they circle back and interview some people a second time. I, I think some of these candidates they've talked to have kind of expressed that they're not really 
interested in this job. Um, I don't know one, which one specifically or anything like that, but yeah, I, th I think they're having a hard time. Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious that it wasn't like actually a mutual parting of ways because they clearly didn't have like anybody lined up that they want to replace LaFleur with. Uh, but, you know, ultimately they, they're going to run a different offense next year with a different quarterback. And that that's a lot. And the offense is probably going to go through growing pains. They're going to frustrate this fan base and they're probably going to, you know, hate whoever they hire ultimately, because it's not going to be Frank Reich. Uh, and so they're, they're in a tough spot right now, but, you know, you just hope that eventually you settle on somebody that can, can develop, you know, this offense, develop these young, this young talent, get the receivers, the ball and, and put this offense in better position than they were last year. Yeah. Look, I, I just, you mentioned it there. I just think, Robert Sala can say publicly, there is some appealing, you know, parts of this job. There's no question. Yeah, like they're sure. But the problem is, is there's a lot of unappealing parts of this job. One of which is job security. And like that does matter. And being attached to a staff that could be can, you know, they're never gonna say it, but it is it could become a lame duck staff if they start out four and seven. Like you might you might be screwed. And there's yeah. no guarantee that you're the Jeff Saturday candidate or uh, Steve Wilkes. They're like, oh, we turned him around at the end of the year. You know, even those guys did really, you know, not Jeff Saturday, but yeah. Steve Wilkes did a great job with the Panthers and he's no shoe in to get the job. Right. So um, yeah, that part's tough. And just like it comes down to, if you're an offensive coordinator, you, you'd like to know who your quarterback is. So I guess, as you mentioned, um, the Jets are going to have to either open the pocketbooks big time. Like, yeah, would Todd Munkin be great? Sure. The Jets are going to have to probably fork up 3 million a year in cash. And I just, they can say they'd do it, but, until they actually do it, I, it's hard to, you know, I, I'm even surprised that the Patriots were able to get Bill O'Brien back based on, you know, they don't, I don't think they, they're not exactly uh, paying their assistants crazy money. So, you know, Bill O'Brien's going to demand a big salary. So I kind of want to just get into a couple of the needs, you know, on this roster and kind of get gauge where your head's at. Um, I agree, by the way, on the LaFleur stuff. I know we've talked about it a lot. I just, yeah. I think people just, they were just like, we need a head to, to head to roll. And, you know, he's going to end up probably going to LA and, probably crushing it as the OC, even though yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how much he'll do and everyone will be really mad about it by week 12. <laughs> um, in my head, yes, offensive line, I think is other than quarterback offensive line is obviously the biggest issue. I do think safety, although I know they like Tony Adams and, you know, maybe he ends up being the guy, but I think safety linebacker and, and backup defensive tackle are big needs on defense. And then offensively, I hate to say it, like receivers are really big need. <laughs> yeah, I just think it sucks that, you know, they spent three top 50 picks and paid a guy in the last she paid two guys really in the last, you know, 24 months and or 36 months, I guess, technically, but I, I, they still need a receiver. Like if they went receiver at 13, like I don't, and they kept that pick, it'd be, it'd be shocking. But at the same time, you'd be like, yeah, okay. Like you only could talk yourself into another top 50 pick with a receiver. Yeah, I agree on receiver. I, I do think they view Elijah Moore as part of the core. And so I think part of the goal with the offensive coordinator is getting him more involved. But yeah, ultimately, I think they're going to cut Corey Davis. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they cut Barrios too. Even if you don't, he's not really like a contributor on offense realistically. So you need you need a receiver to compliment Garrett Wilson in particular. So I don't know if that would be, you know, a low cost veteran free agency, like that a, a lower cost Corey Davis essentially, which, you know, he was a good part of the offense, but not at the price. But yeah, I'd, I'd say that's definitely need. Ultimately, fixing the offensive line will be Joe Douglas's top priority, though. And, you know, you don't you can figure out if Dwayne Brown wants to retire or not, or if you want to bring him back. And if you do, like, how confident are you in Makai or Max Mitchell as starters? I don't know if you can like be fully relying on them. So I think they have to bring in whether it's that first round pick or you sign a veteran or whatever it is. Even if they don't break the bank, like you bring in like an Andre Dillard even or somebody like that. Um, but they need to upgrade the online. They, I mean, you know, Connor McGovern, free agent, Nate Herbig, free agent, George Fant's not coming back. So they need a center. 
you decide what where you want to put AVT. You feel good about where you put him. Lakin's probably locked in because of his contract. So a lot of questions on that O-line. Uh, if they could get some consistency in terms of the personnel, I think that would go a long way because they, you know, dealt with an insane amount of injuries this year there. But yeah, that, that's going to be the biggest, you know, X factor. And at safety, you know, you have uh, Jordan Whitehead under contract. They could cut him, save seven mil. Uh, you know, it might come down to whether they like want to go and upgrade him and like sign somebody. If they, and if they don't, I can see them keeping him and then drafting a safety early kind of thing. D line, you mentioned all, all three of their uh, non Quinnen Williams defensive tackles Solomon Thomas, Sheldon Rankins, and Nathan Shepard, all free agents. So whether it's a depth guy or the starter next to Quinn and you need someone there, it helps that JFM and Clemens can like shuffle inside. And then you have a tough decision to make on Carl Lawson because, you know, if you're paying a lot of money for a quarterback, uh, there's not a lot of avenues to save like significant chunks of money where you can both get a quarterback and other positions. And I think they have a really tough decision to make with him, especially because if you cut him, there's almost no dead cap. I think you save $15 million. They ha- they're deep at defensive end. They dra- this drafted Jermaine Johnson the first round. You'd hope he'd be able to start in the second year. Uh, you know, Bryce Hoff, JFM. I mean, you have to re-sign Bryce Hoff, but he's restricted. So I I, I lean towards them moving on from Carl Lawson and a factor that everybody always forgets when you cut these guys, you do have to replace them and you have to replace this production and it's seven, seven sacks and, you know, like 16 QB hits. And as much as people are like disappointed relative to this contract guy, that's a pretty good year for a defensive end and not easy to replace. Uh, so that that's, that that's all going to be factors in that. So that you have all these, I think the defense will be good regardless of what happens to like him and, you know, CJ Mosley's contract, you're not going to carry him with a $21 million cap hit. So you hope he's willing to take a pay cut, which is no guarantee because he just named an all pro uh, Quincy Williams, free agent, Quan Alexander. So, you know, they, they have a bunch of holes they got to fill and and it's going to be a very crucial offseason for Joe Douglas to kind of show what he's made of. I think this is going to be the ultimate. All right. Everybody talks you up, you know, as a wheeler and dealer and you're smart and you can, you're willing to go and get stars. Like um, he's, he's got to build a roster to where it's going to protect him and Salah from getting fired next year. Yeah, look, uh, you hit on a couple of things I just want to kind of touch on. One, the receiver position. Look, I know the receiver market's different than it was two years ago when they signed Corey Davis. It's not even that Corey Davis isn't a nice player, and I don't even really care about the drops and the penalties and whatever in the first quarter because he always makes up for it. So I get, I'm not gonna, I don't want to crush him on that. He hasn't been healthy, and, and the Jets. It's been, it's just been. I think it's, I don't know, what was it, 16 of the 31 games or something like last 31 games he's been injured in or missed in some, some crazy number. I think it's like 50%. So that's a problem. So um, the Barrios one, you mentioned a couple guys. I think I, if I was the capologist, I guess, Mosley, obviously uh, Tomlinson, Whitehead and Barrios are all guys that you could, or even Carl Lawson, you want to talk about a restructure because you could save a ton of money on all those guys. The way you could restructure them. It's just, A, are they willing to let people forget? This is not a once, this is a two-sided thing. And, you know, with a Carl Lawson, is it better to just cut him? Or Corey Davis, is it better to just cut him? Barrio, same thing. Whitehead and, and Tomlinson are guys, and Mosley, you hope that, like, you can just reduce their cap number because I think all three of those guys are going to be playing at numbers that just don't really make a whole lot of sense based on production. But, again, we'll see. You mentioned Bryce Huff. Um, I, I bet you they probably put a second or third round tender on him. It's like 4 million bucks or something like that would make sense. Um, it's probably what, I don't know what he would get in free agency. I know he wants to be here. Sean Rankins wants to be here. I would pay him if I were the Jets. You probably just give him the same deal he was on. You know, I think he was like two for essentially 12 or, or 14. It makes sense. Solomon Thomas, I think you probably say, I appreciate the, appreciate your service. We're going to move on. Um, Nathan Shepard, I guess. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you mentioned 
you know, the, the other kind of, yeah, I guess Carl Lawson really is the big elephant in the room. I think like, I, I really, I just don't know. It's, it's a really difficult decision. You just took an edge, you know, in the first round, you're going to be paying Bryce off more money. You just drafted Michael Clemens. You pay JFM good money. You're going to pay, you have to extend Quinn and Williams. You got to resign, you know, realistically, they're not going to let Quincy out of the building. Although I don't know a guy like Quan Alexander, I think we would, I think you would agree to like had a nice year and stayed healthy, but kind of got worse at the end of the year. And I just don't know if they're I mean, going to he's, he's more of like a rotational guy. If he's willing to yeah. come back on like the minimum or whatever. Yeah. It's like, great. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, um, the other position that's kind of interesting was one I hit on two more things before we, uh, before we wrap here, the tight end position is super interesting to me in, in 2023. And I want to hit on tight end and running back quickly. We'll guess we'll go tight end first. Obviously the jets signed two tight ends. They're pretty solid. I mean, they're both on pretty good money. And I thought Conklin had some nice moments. Um, I thought early in the year, he struggled a little bit and then got better as the year went on. Um, but you know, I think hopefully you would hope is better in year two. CJ Uzama had some like, was like reliable, but, I just feel like didn't really get used all that often other than like the Lions game. And then Jeremy Ruckert looked really good in the last game of the year, but they just sent a third round pick on him. And it's like, I feel like he needs to play. So I don't know. What do they do at tight end? Because that's a, I mean, that's one of the highest paid positions on the roster. I feel like going into 2023 and all together, like they got like 80 catches for like 700 yards and like three or four touchdowns. Like it wasn't outstanding by any means. I think they kind of just go with what they have there. I, because they're kind of they're definitely locked into CJ. I think they're locked into Conklin. I think he's the better one of the two of them anyway. Um, and, and they're really high on Ruckert, though. I think it's fair to criticize that pick so far because he barely played and they used a third round pick on him in a team that you know clearly could have used some help on the. They could have used a safety or, or guard or something there, or like a defensive tackle that was under contract next year or something. Um, I get the criticism that they, they anybody you talk to insists that he's going to be a very good player. So. Maybe next year is when they let him loose, and and then after the year you're able to get out of the, the Uzama contract, and then you can have like Conklin and him together or whatever it is. But yeah, I I think they roll with those three. Just maybe you see a little bit different of a rotation in year two. Yeah, I just think using those guys in the red zone. Like I'd love to see that they use when they use Conklin in the red zone. It worked. They use CJ in the red zone. It worked. And then, you know, I know Connor suggests Rogers suggests this, and we I have for a while too. Like using Jeremy Rucker as a quasi fullback didn't look so bad uh, in Miami. The other position I just want to quickly ask you about it is is running back because I know it's not a super valuable position, but like for the Jets, it kind of is right. Bruce Hall obviously was way more valuable than a running back probably should be in, in today's NFL. I know AVT getting hurt at the same time. We all talk about Bruce Hall, AVT getting hurt was obviously catastrophic for this team. Yeah. Michael Carter had a really down year. Zonovan Knight had three nice games and then it kind of like he started just like missing wide open holes at times. It felt like, or just trying to extend every play. Ty Johnson shows some flashes, but he kind of is who he is. Like the running back position is a little weird because I felt like it was a huge strength. And now you don't, you don't, you know, hopefully Bruce Hall is back week one, but you have no idea what Michael Carter is because year one, Michael Carter and year two, Michael Carter were, were not the same player. Like where are they yeah. at with running back? Cause I'm not saying it's a need. I just, it's not as much of a strength as I think post Vikings game, me, you, and everybody was like, holy shit next year. Like they have Michael Carter, Brees and Donovan Knight. Like now it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I think it is a need because I, I don't think you can bank on Brees Hall being the same in his first year back because uh, you look historically, guys, their first year after ACL, unless you're Adrian Peterson, are almost never the same. Saquon was bad, then he was good the year after that. Dalvin Cook, I think there's been some other guys, and there are other guys who were never the same. I don't think Brees will be like that, like who knows, but um, so I, I think you have to assume that he you know won't be full Brees Hall, at least until later in the year. I think pretty clear that Michael Carter is not someone you can fully rely on. He's maybe fine as a rotational guy. 
Bam Knight also like, you know, has some talent, but clearly once team had some, teams had some film on him, it was a little more exposed. So I think you either, you know, try and find a low cost veteran in free agency and it's a pretty deep free agency class of running back. Just looking at it now, you know, I mean, it, it starts Josh Jacobs, Saquon, Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, Tony Pollard, you know, Jeff Wilson, Devin, Devin Singletary, Devin Montgomery, like it's pretty loaded running back class. So one of these, one of those guys might break free as Kareem Hunt, um, Rashad Penny, uh, Jerick McKinnon, like one of these guys might break free as like a cheap option. And I, I think that's probably the route they go, or you draft somebody in the, you know, fourth, fifth round, whatever it is, you can find a quality guy in the draft that way. I, I just think you can't go in with the expectation that you can build the offense around Brees Hall in 2023. Yeah. Maybe it's a 2024. Like you hope that you get as much out of Brees as you can, but I, it's why ideally having a good quarterback that can kind of bridge until, until like later yeah. in the year, Brees kind of gets his legs under him. And, you know, James Robinson, uh, I, I assume will be more than happy to not be a jet ever again. <laughs> um, the last quick question, it doesn't have to be anything like long answer quarterback room. Obviously I'm not, we don't have to get a prediction on who you think the quarterback would be. I think probably the betting money right now would be Derek Carr. A of the three guys that are the other three, you know, Zach, Mike White and Flacco, who are all of them are back next year. Like who's, who do you think is the, uh, his quarterback two and three? I know no one really shouldn't really matter, but for the jets, for some reason, uh, backup quarterbacks, like a hot topic. Yeah. I mean, I, I just don't see Mike white coming. I mean, Flacco, I don't think he's coming back. Um, I don't see white coming back just because if they get one of these veteran guys, unless you trade Zach Wilson, you can't really carry three guys with like, you know, pretty big cap hits. Zach Wilson's already going to be kind of an albatross at, almost $10 million for a guy that they don't really want to play. That's a lot for a backup quarterback anyway. So just getting tier um, one backup quarterback money to, to yeah. force. So, you know, I, my, if I had to predict right now, I'd say Zach is the number two, you know, if they got rid of him, obviously that would be different. And then you have to worry about who the backup is, or maybe you draft somebody or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I would say Zach's the only one that comes back out of that group. Well, Chris Traveler, obviously, for selfish yeah, reasons. Yeah, yeah. He's already on. He's got the futures deal, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Exactly. Jets, uh, TOJ legend, Will Parks, re-signed. So, yeah. um, good for the brand. But, no, I appreciate it. appreciate hopping on. Zach's had a piece out. I believe it was this morning or, or last night on Derek Carr and kind of the steps in which the Jets could take from offensive coordinator and how it would all look. And then the piece, obviously, late last week, as well as the Can't Wait pod. Um, appreciate having uh, appreciate having on. Get some uh, nice rest and relaxation before uh, things uh, pick up in Indy. Well, there's never any rest on the Jets. So, but no, I'll no, of course it. not. <laughs>